Amen. Well, the message a few moments ago was just, um, really, I think it was enough, and we, but God laid something on my heart um, a few days ago as I was praying and preparing for this, and I, I think it'll go hand in hand, and it'll, it'll help us to understand when God speaks to us. Um, tonight, I don't know if I'll really talk much about Korea, um, but I want to help us to understand um, how we can know when God's speaking to us. Um, sometimes we might feel um, convicted or persuaded by someone's words, and we, wonder, we think that's God speaking to us. Sometimes it's, um, we wonder if it's just our emotions that's propelling us, and is God speaking to us? And um, as I was reading Exodus chapter 3, thinking about Moses as he's being prepared to send before Pharaoh, I noticed a pattern. Um, I grew up in the country on a farm and um, spent a lot of time with animals. Um, I know it's not politically correct, but I like to hunt. But um, I, it's kind of funny. I like to hunt, but I don't like to kill. Um, it's, uh, I guess I'm getting old and liberal in my old age. But, um, um, but one of the things I do with hunting, fishing, whatever it is, is I, I think like a sniper. You watch for patterns. And everybody, everything has a pattern. And once you establish that pattern, it's, it's clockwork. It's not it's really it's not any great wisdom, it's not any great skill. It's just you, you, you understand the pattern. And when you read the Bible, God is very logical. And everything, he, there's, a, there's a consistent pattern. So when you read the Word of God, you can see that pattern. And when you see that pattern, then you can verify this is God. And if it's not following a, 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 a very basic pattern, you can know that's not God. And so turn with me and let's stand in, um, in the book of Exodus chapter 3. I want to read verses 1 through 10. And I want to show you this very obvious pattern that I see that helps us understand God's voice. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that, he turned aside to see. God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. 
Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in, in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the hand, um, out of that land into a good land, in a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And let's pray. Father, I do thank you so much for the word of God. I thank you that you're a God that is understandable. You're a God that reveals yourself to your people. And you've given us your word where we can verify everything about you through your word. And Father, I ask you, please, would help me tonight. Just please give me a clarity of mind, give me clarity of speech, and help me to communicate to your people that, that they may know your voice and have certainty in it. And Lord, that that certainty will help them to do that which is pleasing and honorable in your sight. And please fill me with the power of your spirit. Please, I need your help. Guide and direct us at this time. And Lord, use the messages tonight and tomorrow and throughout the week to, to help this church see that the mission to reach the world is not impossible. It's not a dream. It's not an emotional appeal. But it's your will. And they can do it. Please help us tonight. And I ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm just, um, if I say some strange words, it, I'm not speaking in tongues. It's... Um, Sometimes I'll say things in Korean, and, uh, and so if I'm even speaking English and I stutter, it's because I'm not used to speaking this way. But when you read the Exodus chapter 3, it's really an exciting story, and we, we read it, and we, th we think about it. But what if you were Moses? What if you're the one on the backside of the desert, you're the one, and you see this burning bush, and God speaks to you, and he tells you to go to Egypt? I think you would have a different perspective of this story. Instead of being excited about it, there would probably be some fear, some anxiety. Is this really the will of God? And I remember shortly after I trusted Christ as my Savior, I was a 21-year-old soldier in the Army. I was doing my dream, and God began to work in my heart that he wanted me to have a different career. And I had to know. 
I had three weeks I had to know. Because in three weeks, they're going to pin a bar on me and it's going to add another five years onto my time. And I had to know, do I, do I get out? Do I stay in? What do I do? And so I fasted and prayed. You don't hear a lot about fasting and prayer, but it's very, very important when you've got to know what God wants you to do. Because the will of God is not hidden. A lot of people make the will of God something mis mysterious, something spooky that you can't find out and it's just going to creep up on you. That's not it. God wants you to do his will. He doesn't hide his will from anyone. He actually just throws you right in the middle of it. But how do you verify? And when we look at Moses, I think we see a way we can verify. But when you look at what the text we just read, you see it's, it looks impossible. You know, think about it. Moses is 80 years old. He's not exactly in the prime of his physical strength. You know, I'm just 52. And I'm one arm shoveling some dirt and the arm doesn't work anymore. When I'm 80, I hope I can be leading some sheep. I'm sure Moses is not in the prime of his strength. Forty years before, Moses killed an Egyptian. And the reason he's on the backside of the desert is because he fled in exile. If he goes back to Egypt, he's going to die. So Moses has no power of influence with Pharaoh. He's going to die if he goes back before Pharaoh. Moses has no power of influence over the Hebrews. He's been gone for 40 years while they've been suffering under slavery. If he comes back and says, hey, I'm going to lead you out, they're going to look at him like, where have you been? He has no army, no weapons, no alliance of foreign nations to force Pharaoh to release. He has no influence over anybody to try to free a, a several million people. You know, I'm not being pessimistic. When you look at those things, it's, it's impossible. There's no way Moses can humanly do what God's calling him to do. But why is God calling Moses to do that which is humanly impossible? You know, God is not foolish. God is omniscient. He knows everything. It's not like he's calling Moses to do something and God says, oh, I made a mistake. I didn't realize you couldn't do it. God doesn't do that. He knows all things. God is eternal. He lives outside of time. He knows there's no future to him. But why is an eternal, all-knowing God, the creator of heaven and earth, calling a man to do that which is absolutely humanly impossible.
Well, when you read the Bible, you see, this is not an isolated incident. God always calls man to do that which is absolutely humanly impossible. Now, why does he do that? Because now that generates an opportunity for us to exercise faith in his word to do it. It, it, it generates an opportunity for faith. And faith is the key for the Christian life. You enter the Christian life, you're born again by faith in the resurrected Christ. But faith doesn't stop there. And a lot of times Christians, they, this is where they make their mistake. They, they, they go into it by faith, but then they try to live through it in their own strength and through different methods and formulas. But the Bible says a just shall live by faith. The same faith that we entered the Christ, we became a Christian with is the same way we live. I can't do anything but Christ. And that's in Galatians 2 and verse 20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Faith is the key. So God calls us to do the impossible because that generates an opportunity for us to exercise faith just like we exercised when we got saved. And so as we look at Moses' call, we'll see a, a pattern where we can know this is God speaking, this is an opportunity coming from God, and then we can exercise faith. First of all, I'd like us to see that God calls from a reasonable place. Can I use one of these waters? In verses 1 and 2. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in, the, in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, a bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Where was Moses when God called him? He was at Horeb. And the Bible calls this the mountain of God. Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, was the priest of Midian. Moses was keeping Jethro's sheep on the mountain of God. Now, where do you think the altar of God was? Horeb is called the mountain of God. He's keeping the sacrificial flock on the mountain of God. Where's the altar? I guarantee it's on that mountain. That's where Jethro was probably offering the sacrifices to God. He's at the house of God. That's why God's calling to him out of his house. And that's reasonable. 
We don't expect God to call us from other houses. We expect God to speak out of his house. And the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 3.15, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Today, the church is the house of God. And I'm not talking about all believers. I'm talking about the local church. It's the house of God. And this is where God is going to speak out of the bush. Just like tonight. We heard a wonderful message, and we, we heard about the, the millions of souls in Nepal and all over the world that are lost. Where do you think you're going to hear that? In the house of God. And so that, that gives us safety when we hear God's voice, where is it coming from? Is it coming from the world? Or is it coming from his house? So if it's coming from his house, we got, a, we got an element of safety there. And you'll see, if you look through the Bible, God is always calling. And he's often calling from his house, from his men, unto his people. Secondly, we see God calls in a reasonable manner. In verses 3 through 5. And Moses said, I will now turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw, he turned aside to see. And God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. God is holy. That means he's separate, totally like anything else in the universe, in the creation. You know, I, I realize in our modern-day world, the trend, I don't know, I see it in Korea, and, and I, I see some here. The trend is God's people try to blend God into our culture to make him more like us and more acceptable. But he's holy. And the holy means he's separate, unlike, he's totally different. We can't make him like us. We can't make him where it's acceptable to us. He's going to put us on our faces. He's totally different. In Isaiah 40, in verses 25 and 26, the Bible says, To whom then will ye liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their hosts by number? He calleth them all by their names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, and not one faileth. He's unlike us. He's holy. And so when he calls, 
He's going to call from his house, and you're going to find an element of holiness accompanying that call. And if there's holiness missing, if there's not this great exalted Christ that's different from us, that, that puts us upon our face, it's not God. When God saw that, when Moses saw that bush, it wasn't consumed. Now, Moses was a shepherd. He lived in a day when, you know, build, kindling fires was common. I'm sure by this time in his age, he's built hundreds and thousands of fires. But like every fire that I've built, that the wood is quickly consumed. And you have to keep adding more fuel to the fire. But this fire is not consuming the bush. It's burning, but the bush is still there. And that's when Moses saw and he said, this is not normal. This is separate. This is unique. Something is different about what's happening here. And God confirmed that with his voice, and he told Moses not to come close, and he told him, put off your shoes for the ground where you stand is holy. Holiness. What's man's response to holiness? Is it dancing and saying, oh, praise Jesus? Every time in the scripture when somebody realizes the holiness of God, they are on their face, on their face before God and crying, woe is me. They're not saying, oh, I feel great. If you feel great before God, you got a problem. You got a wrong God. When you realize the holiness of God, it puts you on your face. It lets you see your wickedness, your, 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 your sin, your, um, your pride. It exposes that. Remember Moses, or Moses, Peter, when he's in Jesus with the boat? What's he say when he realizes this is a Christ? Depart from me. I'm an unclean man. And so when we're trying to determine, is this God's voice? You're going to see your inability. You're going to see, what am I? Moses took off the shoes off his feet, and Moses took off the shoes of his heart at the same time. He hid his face. Why? For he was afraid to look upon God. That's God calling in a reasonable manner. He calls from his house, and he calls in a manner of holiness that makes us see who, I'm nothing before him.
It's a pattern. It's a pattern. And then thirdly, he calls for and reveals with a reasonable reason. In verse 7, it says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. God never calls without a reasonable reason. He saw the, you know, you know, a lot of times people talk about having a dream. They want to do something so they can be acceptable with others. Maybe a child has a dream because they want to do something to make them acceptable in their parents' eyes. And sometimes men, they want, to, they, want to, they want to do something, whether it's a business, whether it could be even be ministry, whatever it is, try to be acceptable in somebody else's eyes. What about Moses? Did he have a dream to lead his people up out of Egypt? I don't think so. But God called because there was a reason. Not his dream, there was a reason. See, the children of Israel had been in bondage for 400 years because God told Abraham a long time ago they would be in bondage in that place for 400 years. God said, and at the end of the 400 years, they're coming out and they're going to the promised land. The time has come. It's reasonable now for God to call Moses to do the impossible. And to add upon that, God saw the affliction of his people. He saw the injustice of his people. He saw the sorrows of their heart. And sometimes we can't understand God's wisdom. We can't understand his timing. And we think something bad is happening and God's not doing anything about it. Please don't think that. God sees the injustice, he sees the sorrows, he understands the people, he has compassion upon them, and he's waiting for the proper time. And so the proper time has come, and now he calls Moses. So we see Moses is not some wild 80-year-old man with some zeal, and he wants to go try to free his people. There's a solid, justifiable reason why God is calling them at this time to go do the impossible. It's a pattern. And when God calls with that reasonable reason, he ex um, reveals his intention to us, and then he shows us how he will enable us to do that. You know, in verse 8, I love it. And I am come down to deliver them. Before God calls Moses, before he tells Moses to go, he says, I am come down to deliver them. Man, that's like John chapter 1. 
He came unto his own. He comes to do it. And after he tells Moses, I am come down to deliver him, then in verses 10 and 12, he says, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth by people the children of Israel out of Egypt. And then Moses, he says what we would have said. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly, I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people of Egypt. Ye shall serve God upon this mountain. So God tells Moses, he gives him a reason. The people have been suffering, the time is up. And now I, God says, I'm come down to deliver them. Then he tells Moses, now you come with me and you go speak to Pharaoh for me. And so here we have another, another um, a pattern. God doesn't call us to do something that's crazy. He calls us to do something that is in his will, that's his heart, and then he calls us to accompany him to do so. And so when you look at these three things, you see a pattern. It's not complicated. And we see a measure of safety. God calls from a reasonable place. He calls from his house. He calls in a reasonable manner. He calls in his holiness. And then he gives the reasonable reason. I, I want to release my people. I want to deliver my people. And so when you, when you think about those things, we see that God does not work illogically. What God does is it makes sense. And what's he called us to do? Go into all the world. Think about the impossibility of that. You know, who are you? Who am I? When I was growing up, the last thing I wanted to do was speak to a person. The last thing I wanted to do was be around people. You know, where I'm from, we thought California is weird. Even my brother last week said, it's going to break off and fall off into the ocean. There's so many people there. I told Pastor Fong, I have two things that I can't do. Sing. I sang a couple weeks ago at our church. The steps of a good man are directed by the Lord. I love that song. And I sang with another brother that he's a little, he's very similar to me, musically speaking. That's illiterate. You know, I don't know what Mrs. Fong's doing with her hands, and you're leading the singing, your son's leading the singing. I couldn't do that for the life of me. I have no rhythm. I'm rhythmless. Whatever that is. 
And I tried to sing, and we practiced. And one of the ladies, she's being serious. I told her, I said, you know, I want one more week to, to practice. And she said, Pastor, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, I, I was trained in Bible class. You're supposed to do everything first class. You're supposed to practice. You just don't call somebody to come up and do it. You know, you're supposed to be ready and everything. So I practiced for like a month. I play it in the truck as I'm driving to work. The dog, I would sing, and the dog would look at me. And music's not my thing. The other thing's language. You know, I, in high school, I, I got an award in English class. Most improved. I've got the dictionary in my office. It's got the sticker. I'll show it to you. <laughs> Language is not my... I'm mechanical. I can fix anything. I can take anything apart. But when it comes to music and language, we're two different creatures. But then God calls me to go to people. To go to a place where there's, in the metro area, there's almost... 24 million people. I wanted to go to Alaska. <laughs> I told God I can fly, I can fix it. You know, I'll go there. And God says, no, you don't need that. That's because you could do that. He says, you go someplace, you can't do that. And when I was, before I even got there, a missionary that had been there many years, he says, you can't build a church translating. I said, that's often right where God wants you, where you can't do it. And so when you're thinking to yourself, you're hearing the messages, you're wondering about the faith promise, about giving, you're wondering, well, maybe God wants me to go to the mission field. Maybe God wants me to, um, to be in the ministry. Or maybe something even more impossible. Husbands, love your wife is Christ loved the church. Think about the impossibility of that. How are we, as sinful human beings, going to love our wives as Christ loved the church? What about something else impossible? Wives, submit unto your husbands as unto the Lord. God, he's not the Lord. <laughs> he's not even close. But God tells us to obey him is something that's impossible. When, you, when, you, when, you just, when you're just serious about it and you look at the commands of the Bible, they're all impossible. Humanly speaking. But when
when God calls, he empowers. I told my kids when they were growing up, I said, I don't want to hear about any dreams. I said, this is what a Christian does. You take a blank piece of paper, you throw it down, and you tell God, you write. You write. And whatever he writes, now that becomes my dream. How do we know what he writes? It's going to call from his house. My pastor preached. He said something about let the Presbyterians be the pilots, let the Baptists be the preachers. And I didn't, and he's preaching at the Army Aviation Center. And I just went forward. See, he was an executive in the Coca-Cola company, much like Pastor Fong. He, re, he re, resigned, took a little Methodist church in the middle of the boondocks in Alabama and turned it into an independent Baptist church. And it grew like wildfire. God called him to do the impossible. And when God spoke to him in God's house, through God's man, I just went forward and gave God a blank piece of paper. And then I began to fast and pray, God, is this what you want me to do? I got to know. I got three weeks. I was at the end of my time, and I had to make a decision because the army's going to make a decision for me. When God speaks and his holiness accompanies it, like our brother preached about the resurrection, you don't have any doubts about it. Like when Moses spoke, God spoke to Moses from the bush, Moses didn't have any doubts. This is the voice of God. It was holy. It was separate. It was like anything else. And God will confirm that in a way. I'm not going to give you exact manner how he's going to do it because he'll do it. It'll vary with you. But you will find an element of God's holiness which makes you see your, um, your inability and it makes you stand in awe and fear of him. He calls from his house and he'll call with his holiness and there'll be a reason. You know, why should we go into all the world? Because they're going to hell. You know, I remember when I was in Korea, soul winning at the subway station, and 9-11 had just occurred. Some of you weren't even born then. And here comes this Muslim guy up to me. Never talked to a Muslim in my life. I said, where are you from? He said, Iran. And, you know, I, did, I didn't know much. I thought, you know, they're all terrorists. <laughs> I didn't know how to witness the Muslims. Same way you witnessed everybody else. I just gave them the gospel.
Then a week later, I give them the gospel again. And a week later, I give them the gospel again. And a week later, give them the gospel. And he trusts Christ as his Savior. And I began to see he had these terrorists that just opened war upon my country. They need the gospel. Everybody needs the gospel. In Korea, we have, I, don't, I have to check the statistic. I'm just calling this off my memory. At, at one time, the 50 largest churches in the, the world, 25 were in South Korea. I mean, they have 10,000-seat auditoriums, and they fill it seven services with different people. A lot of people. But a lot of those people haven't had a clear presentation of the gospel. And now today, there's no young people. 10, 15 years, those mega churches are gone. They'd just be an empty shell. Like in America, we had some churches, one-time great churches, now it's just a shell. And I'm sure the other brothers talk about it. I was in the Philippines a few years ago. I, I, I couldn't even believe it. It's just everywhere you go, everyone needs the gospel. That's why I don't want to go on mission trips. because I want to go there. God's given us a reason. He's calling us to do the impossible. People need the gospel, and the only way they're going to hear is through us, through the church. And what I want you to think about tonight is, is God calling you from his house? Is there an element of holiness there? And is there a reason? Is there not a cause? And if there is, I think you can safely say that's God's will for you. God does not hide his will from anyone. He throws you right into it. He brings it right to you, just like he did to Moses. He brought the bush right to Moses. Why? Because he came down to deliver his people, and he needed a spokesman. How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? That's right. That's, right. That's where you are so critical. You can go and you can send. You know, I know all of our countries are different. The place where I'm at is just so ridiculously expensive. You know, everything is in millions. But three years ago, I asked God to show our people and show our young people, show your hand. Let us see the Red Sea. And he did it. 
And when God does it, the door opens and it's just, you just hang on. And God used your church instrumentally at that time. If you had not sent what you sent at that time, when we got, when we made the purchase, we had, ex we had no money in the bank, literally. We had everything we barely needed to get in. God used you. And God's used you I'm, in, in many places. What you're doing is critical. You're, you're not like, you're not second string in God's program. The longer, the older I get, I realized God does not need me at all. Actually, if God got rid of me, things would probably be a whole lot better. And there's a lot of people that agree with that. God uses us together. Because we're, that church is the body of Christ. So I want you to think about this week. Don't think, I can't do anymore. Don't think, I can't go. Don't think it's impossible. Because that's exactly, God gives us a command that is humanly impossible, but he helps us to do it. We have a great God. And I want you to grow in that relationship. Just trust him. When he speaks to your heart, just respond. Give God the blank piece of paper. Just let God direct. Don't be afraid. You know, my brother up here, he was very similar, and I raised in a rural, isolated area, and God puts you in a very different place. But the truth is, I have an American passport, but I'm not American. I'm Korean. Amen. And a few years ago, I was looking to buy my grave. My son thought I was insane. I was going to buy the land, dig my grave, cover it, set everything, so they don't have to deal with it when that time comes. God is good. Don't be afraid. Just trust him. He'll change your heart in a way like you've never realized. Your role is critical. And God can use you to do the impossible if you let him. Will you let him? Let's pray.